Well, you can turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 23. Joshua 23. And we'll be looking at uh, Joshua's last address to the people of Israel, his last speech. Uh, In your lifetime, how much has changed? Just think of home electronics for a moment or technology in your house. How much has that changed? Uh, Here's some of my history. First computer, the Tandy Radio Shack TRS-80s boasted four kilobytes of memory. You see that thing beside it? There's that, it's called a tape deck. That's how you loaded programs into this computer. Yeah, you, you, uh, we had this adventure game that was kind of a text-based thing because really that's all it could do is text stuff. So you, you had to make sure the tape was at the beginning and you made sure that you had to press the counter button. There was a reset on it so that it would tell you where it was in the count and you would load a cer- to a certain point and then you'd stop it and uh, type run and it would run that program for a little bit. And then depending on your answer, it would tell you to go to whatever counter and you had to fast forward and find the right place and press play. And that would load more of the program into the computer and replace what was there. And, uh, and that's a black and white TV with no tuner. Basically, that's what was called a monitor. Uh, and so that was our first computer. I don't remember where we got it from. They ran for about, I think, five or $600 back in the... Uh, 1977, I think, was when that thing came out. So that was my first computer. Uh, Things have changed a lot. How about this one? This was my portable music device in high school. You carry it right about here, and it kind of, you know, you you, you built this uh, little, in in shop class, you get like a couple pieces of plywood, another one that fits in your locker so you could turn it sideways and stack it in your locker so in between classes, you go and you press play, and I don't know how many C-cell batteries I went through in high school, but that was portable music. Next one, the Atari 2600. This was the gaming machine. Uh, I think it has combat in there, which was a tank game, which you kind of moved around and you had to shoot, and those are the controllers. We broke a few of those because the ring underneath that joystick was plastic and it had four pressure points and that's how it worked. And you hooked that up to your TV and then you had to switch it. Whether it was black and white or color, it depended too. I remember, you know, I'm only 50, but I remember when we got our first color TV. You know, I think it was 1975. Um, But yeah, that was an exciting time when you got that 24-inch color TV. Yeah, that's massive. Uh, 60 inch TVs that you mount on your wall that are about this thin down at uh, Extra Foods right now. You know, and all of that now is, is like, the, all that and more is right here. You know, I can watch a movie. I have, all, I have like, I don't know how many hours of music on here. It's crazy, you know, and it does have speakers, but they sound horrible, and so do the earbuds. The Ghetto Blaster actually sounded better than anything on here, but anyway. And this is my phone and my camera and all sorts, a communication device. How much has changed in our world and in our lives? So much has changed. 
How much change did Joshua experience? Joshua, we're just finishing up the book of Joshua, and you think, how much, how much change did he go through in his life? We first met him where? Exodus chapter 17. He led the army of, uh, of Israel in their first battle, so he was old enough to be an army leader at the Exodus. So here's a guy who was probably born in captivity, saw the plagues, went through Passover, crossed through the Red Sea, experienced Sinai, saw the tabernacle being built, was with Moses a lot, went up and down the mountain with him, was like Moses' closest companion, was one of the spies that went into the land. The two were good and 10 were bad. Other way around, but you know, I'll get it right someday, Richard. Oh. 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, the conquest, he's seen a lot. He's seen everything from God saying, I'm going to deliver you and bring you to the promised land to this point. He is now an old man and the Lord had given rest to Israel from all the surrounding enemies. Wow. Wow. In our later years, we go through uh, psychological and social changes and our concerns and thoughts shift from what we're doing to what we're gonna leave behind. We start thinking about legacy. Maybe it's just because, you know, this is my 50th year, I'm thinking about this more. What's, you know, the, the rear view mirror has a lot of stuff in it now and the, the, what's out the front window might not have as much. Uh, psychologist Eric Erickson developed a theory of personal development that spans one's lifetime. In our, in our later years, kind of our 65 plus years, he describes this last developmental stage as integrity versus despair. And here's a definition of that. The final stage of psychosocial development takes place in late adulthood and involves reflecting back on life. Those who look back and feel a sense of satisfaction develop a sense of integrity and wisdom. Well, those who are left with regrets may experience bitterness and despair. Joshua is over 100 years old at this point. He dies at 110 years old. You just flip the page and you can see that in Joshua 24, 29. He's 110 when he dies. Chapter 23 states the conquest is over. The people of Israel are at rest in the land. And it, it seems like the story that began in Genesis 12 is finally coming to a close. Yeah, we know it doesn't. But for Joshua and Israel at this moment, it seems like the story has come full circle. And Joshua is now looking back as an old man and he knows his time on earth is short. What is he going to say in his final message to the people he has helped all of his life? What does he want to leave behind? Joshua wants to remind the people that Yahweh is their God and that he is the one who has led them, granted them victory, fought for them, brought them to the land that he has promised Abraham and promised to Abram. And Joshua wants to be sure that he is not the hero of the story, but the Lord is. So let's turn to Joshua 23 and let's stand as we read this chapter together. And read the whole chapter, it's one speech. 
A long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies and Joshua was old, well advanced in years, Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and heads, its judges and officers, and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years, and you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake, for it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes, those nations that remain, along with all the nations that I have already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with those nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them, but you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations, and as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of those nations remaining among you and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. And now I am about to go the way of all the earth and you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. But just as all these good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go after and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given you. This is the word of the Lord. Have a seat. So Joshua's message to Israel is pretty simple and pretty direct. He says, you need to reflect on all that the Lord has accomplished, recommit to obeying everything he has commanded, and remember all that the Lord has promised. These are the three things we'll look at today. It's a call to reflect, recommit, And remember. So first, a call to reflect on all that the Lord has accomplished. You have seen, verse 3, all that the Lord your God has done. It is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Throughout this passage, I don't know if you picked this up, but over and over, Joshua says, the Lord your God. It's 12 times. Over and over, he says, the Lord your God has done this. God is the focus of this speech. The Lord is not Joshua's God alone, nor the God of Moses or Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. It is the Lord your God. Joshua wants the people 
to hear this phrase over and over and cemented in, the, in their minds, he is the Lord, your God. Now, why doesn't Joshua say our God? The Lord, our God. Why, why does he make it your God and not include himself in it? Because I think it's because Joshua's thinking about the legacy he's leaving. He's passing the baton, as it were, to the people. At some point, we all have to pass the baton on to the next generation. My God and our God must become your God. You have to own the relationship now, is what Joshua's saying. You must own this relationship with God. Well, where do you start? Well, first, by reflecting on all that the Lord has accomplished. He starts by reminding the people of God's work for them, his presence with them. The Lord has been directly involved in their lives since before they were even called out of Egypt, reflecting on all that God has done. If we go back to Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 to 24, the people were crying out because of their hard slavery, and it doesn't say they were crying out to God, but it says that God heard their cry for deliverance. During the many days the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But even before they cried out, God knew their situation. He knew their plight. God told Abraham about this 400 years earlier, right? Genesis 15, 13 to 14. Then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there and they will be afflicted for 400 years, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Sometimes we just want God to do stuff now. On our time, on our schedule, and sometimes God's like, I, I have an answer for this, but it's gonna take a bit more of a journey than you're ready for. It might even outlast you. You see, God, God gave Abram a vision here of what he was gonna do through Abram's people, his descendants. But, but how much of that did Abram get to see fulfilled? You know, your descendants are gonna be like the sand of the seashore, too numerous to count. The end of Abram's life, what did he have? Ishmael, Isaac. And he said, and through Isaac, will be the blessing, and that's it. That's all Abram gets to see. Sometimes when God's purposes are being worked out, we, we don't see the full story. We don't see the whole picture. We don't see the end of it. We only see our brief little moment in history. And we have to trust that God is doing something greater. 400 years Israel waited, and they cried out. But this is, this is minute, this is short-term if you think of God's whole plan of redemption and salvation. Even before you and I were born, God saw us, he knew us. 
and he put in a plan to restore us to himself and by his grace through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world, before creation, the cross was in view. The cross isn't plan B. Ephesians chapter one, three to seven, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In Revelation, I didn't put this up there, but it kind of ties in. You have this, John has a vision of the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. And the eternal wisdom of God, the cross was always plan A. Reflect on all the Lord has accomplished. What has God accomplished for you in Christ Jesus? This week, as we prepare for Good Friday and Easter Sunday, reflect on all that Jesus has done for us. Take some time specifically this week to, to think about God's grace in your life. What has he specifically accomplished for you? And perhaps take some time to read the story of Jesus from the triumphal entry to the resurrection in each one of the Gospels or just pick one of the Gospels and, and slowly read through it this week starting, if you pick Matthew, it starts in chapter 21, Mark chapter 11, Luke 19, or John chapter 12. And just walk through the story slowly and deliberately, reflect on Jesus' teaching, his final week, all his warnings to the people who refuse to believe him and the comfort and encouragement he provides for his followers. Reflect on all that the Lord has accomplished. This is the first thing Joshua says. You have seen all that the Lord has done for your sake, for it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Second, it's a call to recommit to obey all the Lord has commanded. Reflecting on all that God has done for us is great. It's a good starting point. But the next thing we need to do is we need to commit our lives to living in obedience to what he has commanded. See, the point is to realize just how much God loves us and cares for us so that we engage in our relationship with him more and more. And that means walking in obedience to all that he has said. <clears throat> Take a look again at uh, verses six to 11. Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you and make mention of their names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them, but you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand since it is the Lord your God who fights for you just as he promised you. Be very careful therefore to love the Lord your God. Three things out of that. First, Joshua repeats almost word for word what God said to him back at the beginning of the book. Go back to chapter one and verse seven and what 
This is God speaking directly to Joshua, and he says to him, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. So it's like this is the book ends of the whole book of Joshua is this call to be strong, courageous, and walk in obedience to the word of God. Second thing that, that I think jumps out to me from this passage is Joshua says, cling to the Lord your God, cling to him. And it's exactly the same word that God uses in Genesis chapter two and verse 24, that a man will leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. It is an exclusive relationship. Exclusive relationship is what he's talking about here. Cling to the Lord in an exclusive relationship, forsaking all others for the Lord. Walk in obedience, cling to the Lord, and then thirdly, Joshua challenges them, be very careful to love the Lord. Love the Lord. Cling to him in exclusive relationship and walk in obedience. Now that seems very countercultural in many ways, and perhaps it really is, to suggest that obedience and love go together. We really kind of bristle at the thought of statements like, if you love me, you'll obey me. How many times does Jesus say that? Gospel of John, lots. You are my friends, Jesus says, if you do what I command you, John 15, 14. Oh, geez, that all of a sudden sounds very conditional. Yep. Obedience is important. You know, we, we wrestle with these repeated statements of Jesus. We want to soften them, explain them away so that obedience becomes less than mandatory. That it's kind of just a good idea or a nice thought, but I don't think you can get away from this throughout the Bible that obedience is necessary. We need to see these at face value. Jesus said, your love for God will be evident in the choices you make and in the life you live and so are you going to walk in line with the word of God, yes or no? Pastor and author Tony Evans states, God doesn't need your help revising scripture. He knew exactly what he wanted to say when he put together his word. Your job is to believe what you find in it with the help of the Holy Spirit then to obey it. Richard Villados in his book, and I'm not gonna kind of go into this too much here, but he says this, unless we are immersing ourselves in scriptures for the purpose of being encountered by God, not merely observing the text, we will find our formation in Christ limited. God has spoken in Jesus and has spoken through his written word. We are invited to enter into that world. See, Joshua encouraged Israel to remain connected to God deeply, through living lives of obedience, clinging to him, an exclusive relationship, and being very careful to continue to love him. Be very careful then to love the Lord your God. So reflect on all the Lord has accomplished, recommit to obey, live in obedience to all he has commanded, and thirdly, 
a call to remember all that the Lord has promised, verses 14 to 16, right at the end of the speech. Finally, Joshua reminds the people that he's not gonna be around much longer, right? I am about to go the way of all the earth, but you know in your hearts what God has done. First, in verse 14, he reminds them God is faithful. God is for you. God is working to, to bless you and to lead you and to guide you, and he fights for you. He can be trusted. They can be assured of God's faithfulness because of what they have seen and experienced. God has fulfilled his word to them. God has come through over and over. They have seen God in action. They have witnessed his faithfulness firsthand. God is trustworthy and faithful but, verse 15, you can circle that one. It's a pretty big but right there. It cuts both ways. God has not only promised blessing, but discipline for disobedience. Just as God is faithful to bless, he is faithful to discipline. What's God saying here? I think God's saying this. God's saying, I have a relationship with you and I initiated it. I made it happen and I am so committed to this relationship, I was willing to come and walk this earth and die for you. I will bless you, but I will correct you in the context of this relationship I have with you. I will always be working to restore and to deepen and to develop our relationship. Nothing will hinder me from pursuing you. Exodus 19.5, I have brought you to myself. In Isaiah, he says, you are mine. Hebrews chapter 12, we hear that God disciplines those he loves and corrects those whom he cares for. You know, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. We don't like it. but it's the Father's care for us. The Lord, your God, the, most of the occurrences of it happen in verse 15 to 16. The Lord, your God, over and over. The Lord, your God. He's committed to this relationship, but he's also committed to your holiness. Joshua calls the people to remember all that God has done reflect on all that God has accomplished for them, and from those realities to walk in obedience and love with him. And the order is crucial. Remember what God has done. Reflect on what he has accomplished. And from those realities, walk in obedience in an exclusive love relationship with God. We are called to remember all that God has done for us and provided for us in Jesus Christ. And here's where the covenant of Moses in the Old Testament and the New Covenant under Jesus differ significantly. Under the covenant of Moses, disobedience leads to destruction and removal from the promised land. But under the New Covenant of Jesus Christ, he himself receives the destruction and the removal from the promised land, the presence of God at the cross. He takes the destruction and the removal from the promised land on himself. 
and his death on the cross secures for us a holiness we cannot attain and a righteousness we are incapable of living out. This week, I would encourage you to think through, meditate on, chew on, pray over the next three passages I want to just read. It's from the end of Isaiah 53. Out of the anguish of his soul, this is talking about the servant of the Lord to come who will suffer and die for his people. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide with him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and was numbered with transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for transgressors. Romans chapter 3, 21 to 26. Paul writes, But now a righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so this week as we enter what is called Holy Week, between the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem, to his crucifixion, to his resurrection. May Joshua's message to Israel, so simple and direct, be a call for us today. Reflect on all that the Lord has accomplished. Recommit to living obediently to all that he has commanded. And remember all that he has promised. This was Joshua's last message to Israel. And it's his message to us today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this season where we remember what you have accomplished for us. Lord, in in every day and in every season, we need to be remembering and reflecting on what you have done and what you have promised. Lord, help us to center our lives on your word. The word of God living and active 
sharper than a two-edged sword dividing uh, between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, exposing the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. Help us to walk in your truth. Help us to cling to you, leaving all others, saving ourselves for you and you alone, and cling to you in an exclusive relationship. And help us to be very, very careful to love you. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he answered, the greatest commandment is this, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, that you love your neighbor as yourself. Father, help us to live into that every day. Obedient lives, exclusively connected to you, knowing that you love us, and we love you back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.